Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Amen, amen. Let, let me just, from the Webster Merriam Dictionary, says, amazing is causing astonishment, great wonder, or surprise. God is not amazing because of what he does. He's amazing because that's what he is. Father God, we thank you so much for being amazing God, a wonderful God, and a great wonder, Lord. So Lord, we ask that you just continue to have your way throughout this service. Continue to prepare us to receive a word in season. So right now, Lord, we ask that you touch our eyes to see. Take off the filters of anger, frustration, hurt, bitterness, whatever it is that's going to hinder us. We ask that you just remove it, Lord. Touch our ears to hear. But Lord, touch our hearts to receive. Yeah. Start tendering up the soil. Start molding it and making it pliable for a seed that's going to be a word in season. Lord, you, have, you are such a great God to so touch our minds, to just go through a process of, to be able to understand how what you speak through the messenger applies to us, specific to our situation and circumstance. Yes, Lord. Lord, we also ask for you to give us uh, highlight words that's going to help us through this week, whether to articulate our faith or something to stand strong on. Because, Lord, we know that you are amazing, God. So through your amazing awesomeness, we say thank you for who you are, for what you are. We ask that you continue to have your way right here, right now, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I get so much out of your prayers, man. <laughs> I hope you're filing these no. in your library of prayers. I really, you know, when you, when you talked about you know, um, applying it to our daily lives. And that's, that's really what it's about. When you go to the scriptures, you, you're reading about what happened to someone else. Yes. Trying to understand the context, who's being spoken to, what are the circumstances surrounding, uh, what's going on in the text. But after all of that, you then have to ask the question, how does this apply to me? Yep. How does this apply to my life, what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through? And that's where it all comes together. Yeah, and, and I told I told the people, I said, there's power in the the Bible, right? That's the word of God, we believe. Uh it's uh inspired word of God. I said, but there's something about your testimony that makes this relevant, makes this walk relevant. I said the biggest aspect of your testimony is how resilient you are as an individual. That's the word. I said, the more resilient you are, the louder your testimony will be. Mm. Because people are watching. And God doesn't take us to, to save us and then, you know, put us to the side and say, okay, that's what I'm, no, he, he takes us, he saves us, but he shows us off. You know, we're, we're, we're one of the individuals that God's going to say, look at, you know, 
Dr. A.R. Bernard. You know? <laughs> I don't want him to do that. No, it's too late. He did it. He did it. <laughs> I read about Job. What oh, happened yeah. when God said, but that, that was Job. a different situation. That was a different situation. Everything went south after that. That was a different situation. <laughs> <laughs> there's, 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 there's times when God shows us off yeah, you know, to I the people, to the public, and then there's times when, like in Job, God was you know, having a, a conversation. Me <laughs> keep me off the radar. No, too late. Because <laughs> you were just on TBN this week. Talk about keep you off the radar. <laughs> All right, as low as possible. Yes, but, but no, but the thing about it is, it, you, the way you live your life helps that happen in a certain way, right? I believe that you, you um, just even the message of how you live your life compared to other uh, ministers is a message in itself on, okay, let me behave. Right? You know, we all have a distinct calling. Yes. And, and purpose and character, personality style, I mean, all of that goes in to make each individual unique. Yes. And um, yeah, so times like these, uh, people are looking at what's happening around them and they're trying to get a handle on it from a biblical perspective through mm -hmm. the lens of their faith. So for that reason, this past week, I've been invited to comment uh, to news outlets, uh, Christian news outlets, secular news outlets, uh, about the inauguration. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Where are we? Because the transition of power uh, is an opportunity for progress, for creativity, for positive change, you know, and, and that's what we, we want. Yes. But the circumstances surrounding this transition of power has been quite strange and uh, <laughs> different, <Yes. laughs> quite different in history of uh, American society. So we move from, and, and that's, that's the resilience of America. God bless America, because we go from a January 6th storming of the Capitol building, mm -hmm. right? That's unprecedented, and people are in shock around the world. And then, you know, uh, a, week, a week or so later, or two weeks later, the 6th, the 20th, you know, two weeks later, there we are having, you know, a ceremony and tradition and custom of the, you know, uh, transition of power, peaceful mm -hmm. transition of power. Now, there was military presence, uh, and people will say, some people have said, well, you see, you didn't even need that military presence because nobody showed up to riot. <laughs> well, <laughs> if the military wasn't there, mm -hmm. would they have shown up? So yep. We don't know. We yes. can't say that. <laughs> you know, we can't say that. But look, you know, and I, 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 I gosh, I pray that the rhetoric is going to calm down. I know it's not going to end. It's going to continue. But I'm praying that the rhetoric would calm down from both sides. Yeah. I, I, th right. I think uh, the way Biden leads and um, makes decisions will help either increase the rhetoric or help it calm down. You know, because you're looking at some of the executive bills that he's signed. Executive orders, yeah. Executive orders yeah. that he has signed has yeah. caused other you know, extremists to start back up with some of the rhetoric. I, I, let me say this to you about uh, executive orders, all right? Uh, every president, when they go into office, mm -hmm. they undo what the former president yes. did if that president was of another political party. Mm -hmm. So if you have a Republican, you know, when, when George uh, Bush went into office, junior, junior, <laughs> son, all right, you know, um, he did what he did. But then when Barack Obama came into office, he wrote out a robust uh, plan of executive orders to change things. When 
Donald Trump came into office. He went through the executive order process and writing off and, you know, and now Biden is in and yep. he's doing the very same thing. So the media, and that's what I mean by the rhetoric, keeps playing up that, oh, Biden's coming in and he's undoing everything mm -hmm. that Trump did. And that's not, look, every president does that in some way because they were representing their political party. So don't, don't, don't let the rhetoric <laughs> get you. Be a critical listener. And one of the things that this atmosphere, this environment of misinformation, disinformation does, all right, it actually robs us of freedom of thought if we're yes. not careful. Yep. Because freedom of thought is foundational to every other freedom. Because we have to be able to think critically, follow the dictates of our conscience, and that's all tied to freedom of thought, mm -hmm. to weigh things carefully, to come to conclusions and make judgments, to gain understanding, and take that from us, all right? Then we become robots, you know, and whatever voice we're listening to controls our actions, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. So you've got to be careful. But you, you see some of, of that because... You know, there's two things that uh, they say that uh, especially younger generations having a hard time. Uh, the young, younger generations having a harder time uh, with the, what you call a decision matrix. So your, your thought process uh, plays a lot into your decision matrix, how you make decisions and what is that. And, and because they are so caught up in the world of social media, it's somewhat of a disconnect from reality. So here it is on social media, you know, you know, Jane Doe is doing X, Y, and Z, looking good and stuff like that, and they want their life to look good, but this is how it looks in front of the camera, but now you get Jane Doe behind the scenes, and it's like, oh, the tension is, is totally different. My yeah, life is totally different, you know? Right. My life revolves around being, you know, a, creating a persona, right? But this is not really who I am. Right. And I think um, social media has, that's the negative aspect of social media. Yeah. You know, there's good, uh, a lot of good aspects of social media, but so the decision matrix of the individual is is not at the same level as it used to be. You got to teach that. You got to do that on a Sunday teaching, talking about how to make decisions. We got to <laughs> do that because people want to know, how do I make decisions? Is mm -hmm. there a process, especially as a Christian, as a believer? Yep. How do I make decisions? I mean, when it comes down to anything in life, mm -hmm. business, family, buying a house, a car, a spouse, <laughs> how do you make decisions? Yep. You know, and there is a matrix. Yep. that you need to consider and can be quite helpful. Because your decisions matrix also plays a part with the law of attraction. Ah, no, but we, we're not going <laughs> okay. there. We're not going there today. We've got to, we owe them. And thank you for all of your emails of complaint that um, we took too much time with the uh, testimonies and yes. you want more word. Okay, so we're going to jump in. All right, let's go. All right, let's go. unless there's a question that I missed. No, it, 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 what's, one, what's three and four? There <laughs> has been a question. What's three and four? We got one and uh, two. You know, uh, and then you know, just expounding on um, the, uh, the first two voices, uh, the redemptive voice, and what does that look like? You know, okay. so we, we talked about redemptive voice and the moral voice. You know, I lean a lot heavier on that moral voice um, because of the church, and I put an indictment on the church. Uh, one lady I was watching, and she was talking about uh, Christianity, and she, she referred to it as the transatlantic white Christianity. White Christianity. Yes. And I said, wow, wow. That's the view right now for a lot of individuals that are looking at Christianity. Well, it's not the first time. In the 60s. No, it's not. It's in, not. In the 60s. You know, that's when it was called the white man's religion. I, right? The, At that time, now it's called the white, the transatlantic yeah, white transatlantic. Christianity. Yeah. And, I, and I, I don't... I don't 
Okay, but I, I, but that's that comes out of a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Because in the sixties it was the same thing. When, when in the sixties, when I was younger than I am young now. Yeah, but in the sixties, remember the role it was playing. Christianity was playing the, the in that time and as this well, mimic there was the Jesus movement. Yeah, but did you hear the part about when I was younger than I am now? <laughs> Pay attention. So, so we want to pick up from where we left yes. off last week because yeah. we were talking about the four voices. And let me give a little context to the four voices of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Commission, which you may be aware of, is go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching them all the things that I commanded to you, uh, you uh, can be summed up in three words, proclamation, discipleship, and humanitarianism. Hey, this is me. I'm presenting the three words that sum it up for us yes. in our house. All right. And, and I say proclamation because proclamation includes more than just the gospel of the, the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, but it also deals with the implications of that life, death, and resurrection. What does it mean? What does it mean to humanity mm-hmm. uh, as a whole? What does it mean to us socially, politically, morally, spiritually? So when you talk about proclamation, because we proclaim truth to power, which is our prophetic voice, mm-hmm. which we're going to get into. So proclamation is much more than just going around and saying, hey, Jesus died for your sins. God loves you. He's giving you his grace. Jesus rose from the dead so that you may have life. No, proclamation is much, much broader than that. So proclamation, all right, is the commission, the great commission, discipleship. And if we were to define that, it's simply to make people followers of Christ. And that's, that's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Because people call themselves followers of Christ, and yet they're following political parties, Mm -hmm. they're following ideologies, they're following things that are inconsistent with Christ, which we're going to talk about some when we get into the prophetic voice of the church today. So making them followers of Christ, what does that mean? How do we understand Christ? Because you can see many images <laughs> of Jesus. You know, if he was to be painted, he'd look different, yes. you know, all over the place. So, you know, what Jesus are we talking about? So proclamation, discipleship, and humanitarianism. And humanitarianism really expresses the life, the love uh, of God, the light of God, mm-hmm. as it relates to human society, and that whole thing of of redemption, reconciliation, restoration, healing, all of that built into it. So Jesus did say that there's nothing greater than the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. So he elevated the scripture and the word of God and man's relationship with God as the most important thing, right? But at the same time, he fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. So it's not like he exalted religion and belief in God without considering human need and human reality. It reminds me of that, that message that you used to teach. Uh, what's the worth of Christianity if it ignores your social economical conditions? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, what is it? James says it. What is it? You see someone in need, you, yep. you know, they're naked and you say, be clothed, be well, be fed and don't do anything mm-hmm. to address their need. Yeah. So the, the church is not just a religious institution. It is a social cultural institution. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that. So that's what we engage in. You know, the whole idea of the coming becoming a site for the distribution of vaccines, yeah. which we did this past week. And again, if you are uncomfortable about the vaccine, don't, don't take it. Don't take it. Like they were going in on a chat. Oh, I'm like, right. okay, people, we need some maturity <laughs> on this chat. You know, we need to understand, hey, voice your opinion, but don't start downing, 
you know, the fact that we're trying to respond to the ones that say yes and that need it and, you know, are concerned about their life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's buying into the culture that mm -hmm. demonizes anyone that disagrees yes. with you. So you, you shouldn't be doing that, period, yep. especially as Christians, as yep. believers. You know, we should be able to have differences of opinion on certain issues. You know, certain things are non-negotiable mm -hmm. in the faith, you know. Uh, but things like this, you may not agree. But we have a responsibility as part of our humanitarianism to make these things available for yes. the good of the community. And we had some of our golden saints say, you know, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be another distribution? So we're working on that. We're waiting from the go uh, word from the governor's office. You know, last I heard, 250,000 uh, vaccines are going to be coming in. So it's how it's rolling out. Yeah. But that's our responsibility. We take that on. <laughs> so proclamation. Yes. Discipleship. Humanitarianism. So the four voices of the church, the voices of the church has to do with proclamation. Mm -hmm what we proclaim. Yes. So the first is our redemptive, redemptive voice. And if we were to go to a wonderful text, um, I would go to second Corinthians five nineteen, where it says for, and I'm reading today out of the new living translation, NLT. All right. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the world through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So our redemptive voice has to do with the reconciliation and healing of humanity mm -hmm. by reconnecting them back to God, the restoration of, of, of peace, those things that were disrupted as a result of the fall, which includes, of course, the destruction of satanic rule, mm -hmm. darkness, ignorance, you know, spiritual moral ignorance, all of that. And that's so good because uh, when you look at the rhetoric, that even Christians are saying, yeah. how is that, where's the redemptive yeah. aspect of it? Yeah. Right? It's, it's, and, and even in the text, it, it tells us, you know, if you have a problem with an individual, let's deal with it. So that, you know, the relationship between them and God is not hindered by the tension between the two, the two of us within the church. And, and your, your relationship with your brother and sister mm -hmm. is more important than your gifting. Mm -hmm. And that anything that you bring to the mm -hmm. altar because Jesus said, if you at the altar yep, have aught with your remember <laughs> that there is a problem between yes. you and your brother, leave, he specifically says, leave your gift. Mm -hmm. So what you have to offer God becomes less important. Mm -hmm. What's most important is the relationship. Yep. And, and, and that's important because that's one of the things that he gives us in life. He gives us relationships. That's part, and how we manage those relationships mm -hmm. is critical. That's why I think one of the greatest gifts that we as uh, Christians can have is the art of communication, yeah. you know, to be able to say what we need to say in a way that it, it maintains a particular style of relationship. Communication mm -hmm. is the basis for life, yep. especially the life of a relationship. Yes. It's true in family and friends, husband and wife, parents and children, children and children across the board, yes. you know, so that's important. So that's the first one. 
the redemptive voice. Do I need to rewrite them on the board or what? So yes, for, for those individuals. You know they like to. Ah, <laughs> okay. So let me find the... And, 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 and that's why truth matters. For those individuals who say that truth doesn't matter, truth matters. Yep. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the, and the light. Yeah. So the way matters, truth matters, and the life we live matters. Yes. So this, our redemptive voice, right? I'm not going to... Voice, our moral voice, and every society needs government to maintain peace, order, law, right? To protect its citizens. But every society also needs a moral value consensus. Mm -hmm. And that is to remain, to, to hold the society accountable to issues of justice, yes. equity, fairness, right? And Justice, that's what equity, brings, yeah, and that's what brings peace and concord within the society. So the church has a moral voice. So when we think about moral, we're thinking about right and wrong conduct. Mm -hmm. And some people get mixed up between moral and ethical. Mm -hmm. what's, what's the difference between the two? I'm glad you asked. So um, if I were to, so moral is uh, I, I, would, I would say that it's transcendent, that it is universal. Moral are, morals are guiding principles. Ethics are specific rules of behavior. Yep. All right? If I could say that. Morals are guiding principles. Remember, a principle is a broad and basic truth, right, upon which we build. Everything that God does, he does according to a pattern and based on a principle. So there are a set of principles that are, are universal. Moral means a set of guiding principles. Ethics means rules, specific rules of conduct. And here, if we can make this illustration. So uh, there was a time in the United States where it was the rule, the law, the legal code to own slaves. Mm -hmm. All right. That was ethical because it was within the rules of the society. And ethics really come from the culture. Mm -hmm. All right. They're contextual to the culture. So within American society at that time. All right. That was one of the legal codes. But was it moral? Absolutely no. not. So you could have something that's ethical mm -hmm. within the rules. Right. Yeah, Specific rules. And but immoral. And this is why Dr. King, Martin Luther King, was able to address America and issues of discrimination, marginalization, uh, disenfranchisement of, of uh, black and brown people in this country on a moral basis. He was saying this is morally wrong, regardless of what your law says, what your rules say. That's where we come up with unjust laws. Yes. Regardless of what your ethics say, this is morally wrong. This has to change. So we have to be able to you know, distinguish the two. So on a moral basis, we're talking about universal laws, uh, the, uh, guiding principles within a society. So for us, from the very beginning, you know, God made man in his image. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. All right. So man bears the image and likeness of God. And that speaks to the life and dignity of the human person. That's a moral value. That's a moral principle that every human being, no matter what the color of their skin, their education, their economics, their geographic location, every human person is worthy of life and dignity. The life and dignity of the human person is very important. So now if we have rules and laws and, 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 and uh, conduct built into our social system and structure that denies the life 
and dignity of the human person, then we have a conflict yes. between what is moral and what is ethical. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really the, the best way to break it down. So as a church, right, uh, our moral voice is, is to uphold a standard of right and wrong conduct when it comes to those higher values, those higher uh, principles, especially to those in power, because we have responsibility to speak truth to power. That's mm -hmm. what we do. And that goes right into our, uh, uh, our prophetic voice. And here's why. Every decision that is made in government mm -hmm. by those in power, every decision that is made that impacts human life is a moral decision. Yep. I'll say it again. Every decision that is made that impacts human life, the quality of life, right, mm -hmm. is a moral decision. So we have moral grounds yes. to challenge that decision or support that decision. And we have a responsibility as a church to call that out. So we have a redemptive voice, we have a moral voice, and we have prophetic voice. And we got to spend a minute here <laughs> because this is something that has been abused. Um, prophecy is not fortune telling. Number one, don't, <laughs> yes. you don't go to the prophet like you go to the fortune teller and try to find out, you know, what's going to happen to you six months from now. That is not what the gift, and I emphasize the word gift of the prophetic is for. The prophetic is to be respected. The prophetic is an essential part of our experience, especially with the charismas of the Holy Spirit, right? But it is not to be abused or toyed with. And that's why all of this stuff about, you know, prophets predicting, you know, that Trump would win. God did not give the prophetic for us to predict winners of elections or horse races or um, mega, mil mega, millions, mega millions, mega millions, Powerball. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I, was, I know, I, I saw it, but that's another subject. <laughs> <was> so tempting. <laughs> anyway, so God has given us a pro prophetic voice, and the prophetic voice is sometimes predictive to the future, yes. right? Yep. But towards a very specific end, and we'll talk about that. But primarily, when you look at the Old Testament prophetic, and compared to the New Testament prophetic, there are variations, Right. So the Old Testament prophetic was specifically the prophet speaking to the spiritual, social, moral, even political conditions of the society. And simply saying that if you don't change, then this is what's going to happen. So their predictive nature is based upon the, analy the analysis mm -hmm. of what's going on. Yeah, I know it's funny because you, they thought that an analytics was new, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, mm -hmm. what was he doing? He was preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. Repent. Yes. That was his message, mm -hmm. right? Took it right from John and then continued that message. He went around healing people and, 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 and performing miracles, which were testimony to his divinity, his divine authority and power, right? But then after there was a rejection of him by the nation, he shifted. And began to say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, mm -hmm. you know, how, how many times would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Now your house will be left to you desolate. He began to speak predictively about the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the scattering of the Jewish people. So, so you move good. from That's one to the really other. good. Because now you say, okay, based on your decision making, you now we're seeing, you know, the analytics for this. And if you continue on this path of decision making, this is how you're going to end up.
Well, I, and, and that's important. That's important because you, you could do this with your, with your personal life. Yes. It's not like this is high spiritual stuff, spooky <laughs> spiritual stuff. No, because the, the prophetic in the analytical sense, right? Yep. The prophetic analyzes. What, what does it analyze? I hope I'm spelling this right. Okay. What does it analyze? Everything that God does, he does according to a pattern. So yep. things happens according to what? A pattern based on a principle. Patterns. Trends. Uh, let me see what else I can put in here. Yeah, for now, patterns and trends. So society takes on certain patterns, yes. certain trends, yep. right? We talk about fashion and mm -hmm. fashion trend. But no, there are social, moral trends, political trends mm -hmm. <clears throat> that we look at. So the prophet takes a look and, and discerns, of course, with divine empowerment, which we'll get to, discerns those trends. Mm -hmm. Looking at the moral and spiritual trends of the society and certain patterns that lead to certain conclusions and certain results. This is the most important role for the prophet. Mm -hmm. Not prophesying, you know, who your wife is going to be or, or <laughs> what, what, whether you're going to be rich in life. Or, you a, a, you know, this is the door. most important. Why? And listen, listen to what Jesus, because here's, here's what the prophet does, right? He analyzes or she analyzes this, all right? And why? To understand where these patterns and trends are going to take us. Mm -hmm. Are they destructive? To society or are they constructive to society? If they're constructive, then we can get behind it and support it, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's going to be dis destructive, then we have to bring a voice and say, wait a minute, we've got to hold it accountable. Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 56, beautiful passage of scripture. And Jesus talks, talking to the religious leaders, all right? And here he turns to the crowd and verse 54, we'll start there, NLT. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see clouds beginning to form in the West, you say, here comes a shower. And you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky but you don't know how to interpret the present times, which was why they didn't recognize him, understand him, why he came. All right. So what was he talking about? Signs of the times. Yes. These are essentially uh, prophetic indicators that emanate from the character of mm -hmm. the culture. So the prophet is able to look at the character of the culture and discern spiritual, moral trends that manifests politically, socially, in codes, et cetera. Because right now, you know, we talk about Biden coming in and people, you know, kind of settling down. He's making decisions. No, people are already upset with some of the decisions yes. that he's making. Yeah. Why? Because some of those decisions go against the grain of what they believe yes. morally, mm -hmm. spiritually, about society. Yep. Because that's what we have. We, we, we have a conflict in terms of how people feel society should be ordered and what's the best way to live in it. The, the irony is you have these individuals that are uh, doing all this prophesizing, <laughs> prophesizing. <right? laughs> that's a new word. That's okay. okay. Uh, of the, the political arena, but they, they missed the mark on the church culture. And what's the signs for the 
patterns and trends in the church that are going to take us into the next couple of years right. and the role they particularly played in where the church is and attention to churches. And, and if we don't make some changes in the church, where we're going to be in the next five to 10 years. And the years. prophet needs an aerial view for that because yes. the church is not monolithic. Mm-mm. The church of Jesus Christ yep. is so diverse. So when some of these uh, reports come out from like Barna or mm-hmm. some of these other individuals and they say, these are the trends, these are the patterns. Yeah, but where did your sampling come from? Yes. <laughs> what segment of society? What mm-hmm. segment of the church? There is reference in America to the black church and, and how the black church continues to remain consistent in, 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 in spite of some of the social changes that are taking place that are affecting the white church. And mm-hmm. how do we determine the white church versus the black yeah. church? Well, right. How do we know the difference? What, do, we be, do we determine that by the congregation, by the leadership? Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's not as easy and, and as then, they make it And then the question I ask is, with the decisions that they're making today, how is it going to affect our kids and the way they do church well, in the future? Yeah. Right? Because there, there's some seeds that have been planted that our kids are going to have to tend with when it comes to the church life. Yeah. So the prophetic, again, you know, signs of the times are, are prophetic indicators that emanate from the character of the culture. Mm-hmm. So these indicators, you know, are, are indicate where things are going. It yes. gives us a sense of direction, spiritually, morally, ethically, and legally, because it translates into laws and policy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why people don't realize, you know, I, we, we have been so shallow in our thinking in the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, Christians, grow up and kind of broaden out, you know, to uh, and, and we don't realize how Jesus intended us to impact the world, yep. not just to have a little worship service. And we say, praise the Lord, a kumbaya moment, experience spiritual gifts and go home until next week and then come back for another injection. No, no, it's much broader than that. And that's why your prayer life, because this is continuing the theme mm-hmm. of prayer. All right, because the prophetic stirs our hearts to pray for certain things when we're able to discern these principles, these patterns and these trends that are influencing and shaping society in the direction of things. Prayer is one of our weapons. That's it. That's it. (laughs) It is. All right. So the prophet, through the gift of the sermon, is a nation's spiritual and moral radar system. Mm, say, say that again. again, please. The prophet, yes, through the gift of discernment and the prophetic anointing, right, is a nation's spiritual and moral radar system. Mm. In in long time ago, when they had boats and before they had radar, right, they had what is called a crow's nest, and uh-huh. that is a crow's nest, and that's that's a little compartment that's on a on a pole. The Vikings were the ones that really are said to have started it. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> what we would do, <clears throat> someone would climb up with a, uh, it's called a monocular or something like that. Before it was a telescope, there was a monocular. And they would take, like a telescope, stand in a crow's nest, mm-hmm. right? Because it was removed far up in the ship and look out ahead. So that person will be able to see any ships ahead, mm-hmm. any dangers ahead, rocks, icebergs, land, they would see it first. So essentially, the, the prophetic role is being in that crow's nest, mm-hmm. looking out there. Yes. The radar systems, what? Pick up, yep. you know, obstacles, dangers, things that are out in front of the ship as moving. And, and that's what the prophetic is to do. Now, here's a warning. This is a very, very important warning, all right? Because here's what, what I've seen, and, 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 and I think this is part of what hijacked the prophetic during this political season here in America, all right? All right. We can be blinded 
by the social analysis. Mm, blinded by the social analysis. Of the times. Of the times. We can be blinded by the social analysis you know of you the times. You need to break down social analysis. All right. So by social analysis, I mean the information that's coming from news outlets, mm -hmm. social media, political parties, special interest groups. Special interest groups. Got it? Because mm -hmm. they're pumping out their message and supporting their agenda. Yep. And if you're not careful and step back and get a biblical and a spiritual and a Holy Spirit inspired perspective, you can actually become blinded mm -hmm. by their analysis. And, and, and here's the problem with it, all right? You'll, you'll take on their posture, their yep. ethos, that spirit, all right? And then you'll take on their methodologies. So not only are they telling you their opinions or pushing mm -hmm. ideology, they're also trying to convince you of the best way to respond. Yep. All right. And that's where it becomes dangerous, because when you take on the, the, the social methodologies or, or society's way of dealing with the condition of things, then we forget that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Now we're getting into prayer. John 18, 36. Are we out of time again? <laughs> looks oh, like man, I see stuff flashing. <laughs> oh, all right, we're going to stretch a little bit. Yeah. Can we take a little bit more time? I can't hear you. They said, they said yes. Okay. You know, they probably typed it <laughs> saying yes. <laughs> all right, so John 18, 36, all right? Jesus is standing, all right, before Pilate. All right, yeah, this is leading to his, his, his death, you know, uh, on the cross. So he's standing before Pilate. And... Uh, the conversation is interesting. Verse, in fact, oh man, verse 33, all right, John 18, 33. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Pilate asked this Jesus, uh, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, verse 34, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? <laughs> verse 35, am I a Jew? Pilate says. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus says, look at his answer. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom or not of this world. Mm -hmm. If it were, get this, if it were, my followers would fight mm -hmm. to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world world. Mm -hmm. That is so important because what he's saying there, that if his kingdom was born of the earth and its system, which is war, aggression, domination, violence, all right, then his servants will have followed that ethos and engaged in violence and an insurrection yes. and a re rebellion mm -hmm. and a revolution, right? But he's saying, no, that is not how my kingdom works. And that's so important because if we don't realize that, then we'll think that the weapons of our warfare are carnal. Yes. And then no longer is it God in control. We're doing it in our own strength to respond to what's going around us. And so I Jesus, see so many Christians responding that way, uh, you know, and, and, and it, it, it's, it's, it's sad because a lot of individuals I, I watch over social media, I say, man, I'm shocked that they're responding in such a manner, you know, on both sides. It doesn't matter what side they were on, whether it's the Democrat, liberal, conservative, you know, Republican, uh, you know, uh, I was trying to find some moderate, you know, individuals there. <laughs> in the, the center, right, yes. right. So again, Jesus' kingdom, 
all right, would not be established by domination, war, violence, and aggression. Mm -hmm. That's the world system, all right? But his kingdom would be established through the influence and authority of his dominion that would change hearts and minds yes. and the lives of people by the truth of the gospel message, righteousness and peace. And by that, all right, by a change in the way they think, yep. the way they feel, their sense of values and priorities, he would cha- transform nations, social institutions, relationship between uh, family members would change. Relationship between husband and wife, between ruler and, and subject, between master and slave would change, between labor and capital, relationship would change, between man and woman would change, between neighbors and friends. All of those relationships would change because of a transformation of an individual's thinking mm-hmm. and their heart, their yep. central motivating factors. That's where we get to the weapons of our warfare. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 36. <laughs> Let's go to it. Chapter 10, verse 36? Verse 3, I'm sorry. Oh. Verse 3 to 6, my bad. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 10. Which all translation? Right? Uh, New Living Translation. Okay. All right. We are human. Verse 3, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, mm-hmm. rulers of the darkness of this world. Ephesians 6, 12, right? We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I'm going to stop there because the next verse, you know, we can go off in another direction. Yeah. But did you hear where all of this warfare is taking place? In the mind, yes. in ideologies, yep. in the way people think, in strongholds. What is a stronghold? You know, it is some way of thinking, some element, whether it's pride or ambition mm-hmm. or fear or whatever, that has a stronghold yes. on a person or a society. Yep. Because we were voting our fears. We were caught between <laughs> our hopes and our fears yep. in order to vote for a political candidate. The iron bars of the mind. Oh, the man. That's where it is. So people, you know, thinking, God bless all the Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical us. All right. I'm included. All right. But we don't pull down strongholds by spending 24 hours in prayer and screaming at the devil and all and 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 calling on spirits from different countries. Okay, no, that's not it. (laughs) We have to change the way people think. Mm -hmm. And it begins with divine empowerment. And I have a whole list to go through under the weapons of our warfare. That's what we're going to get in. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, and, and if you even go a little further back, I, I love it because you see the tension Paul was in when he's writing this. And in uh, verse uh, two, you know, in the message Bible, he says, please don't force me. Right. Please don't force me to take a hard line when I'm present with you. Mm. So basically he's saying, look, I'm not, I'm not a punk. <laughs> let's, let's not get it twisted. You know, yeah, let's, because let's I bring some understanding, right? Yeah, exactly. But he, exactly. he had to go through the process of catching himself, right? And, and he says, you know, he says, don't think that I, I'll hesitate a single minute to stand up for, uh, to those who say I'm an unprincipled opportunist. Then they'll have to eat their words, yeah. right? And then he goes into this aspect and how he's going to deal with it. 
because there was a tension even for Paul, the writer of this letter. Right. You know, right? Yeah. And, and that was a context yes. of it. And the yep. Bible really helps you understand the context <laughs> because Paul was always defending mm-hmm. his apostleship, well, he's, you know, defending one of the great, his position. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. Apologist. And, and the way he came into it. <laughs> yep. But you see, what Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. did in challenging America morally, challenging the conscience of this country, is change the way they looked at issues of race, discrimination, Mm -hmm. people of color, all right? And it's only because they had a change of heart and a change of mind Mm -hmm. to a degree, all right, that things began to change on a practical level. We're talking about equal opportunity in employment, Mm -hmm. equal opportunity in housing, equal opportunity, uh, economic opportunity, uh, dealing with issues of inequities in education, which yep. is still an issue today. So these things actually roll out into very practical ways within the society that changes that society. Mm-hmm. So when we, we're going to talk about the yes. weapons of our warfare, what are those weapons? Yes, we pray and we get into prayer, but the weapons that Paul is talking about here is much more powerful. You'll be transformed, how? By the renewing of, of your, your mind. mind. How will a, 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 an opponent be transformed? By the renewing how will a, of the mind. How will a nation be transformed? How will a community be transformed? How will a, an ethnicity of people be transformed? Mm-hmm. By changing their, the motivations of their heart and the way they think. So I'm sorry, if I get you want to change what you see about yourself, about the world around you, change your heart. Change your mind. That's it. Got to change. Individually, on a personal yep. level. All right? You will, your life will not change. Mm-mm. All right? The quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. I've been saying that yeah. for years. Yep. The quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. And it's true of an individual, mm-hmm. a community, a family, a society, a nation. And that's a snippet for the law of attraction. Boom. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear this guy? What's with the bam? <laughs> it's, boom. It's bam. my it's my um stance against the um the boom. The boom and the establishment. The boom wins. The boom wins. Against the establishment. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've been blessed by yes, that. And we're gonna good. get in because when you talk about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. it's more than just praying in in the spirit, praying in mm-hmm. tongues. And that no. We're talking about challenging because there's another. Oh, we got to stop here. We got to stop. Want to get into another passage? Because we got to talk about taking doctrines, new information. Doctrines of devils. Yep. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> right? You got to talk about taking the new information, how to even perceive that information and relate to that information. And having the tools yes. to interpret. Yep. Right? Because the prophetic is interpreting mm-hmm. the yep. signs of the times. Yep. Ah, beautiful. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. All right. So we've got. Redemptive voice. The redemptive Come on, I'm voice. With people. We've got the redemptive voice. The moral voice. Yes. The prophetic voice. Yes. Don't do that. What's don't, the last one? Don't do that. <laughs> Come on. I'll let you tell them. You're going to let me tell them? Yeah. <laughs> Pastor, please give us the fourth voice. I, I can't give you the fourth voice. Yes. Because. We're over time, so we need to hurry yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to give you the fourth voice. You don't want to give us? Right. Look, well, look, we talked about it. Yes, we, we did. talked about it. You know, the fourth voice is humanitarian voice. Yes. All right, and we'll, we'll unpack that. But I think the prophetic voice is the we had to part. spend yes. most of the time on. Yeah, because we've got to because reorient people the, to understanding this. And this is the climate that we're in. It was abused. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we've got to bring it back. Yes. All right. Hey, that was good stuff, man. Yep. All right, let me pray. 
Right, you want to pray? No, you're you're the praying man, boy. <laughs> I just, I Feed love, off your prayers. I love talking to God. Hey, you know, and good. We just, love listening to you. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much. You know, once again, just look at how amazing you are uh, as you just express the text even more so today. Looking at, you know, just the, the voices that we have. So, Lord, first, first of all, forgive us as the church for not operating in a manner that makes you look good. Forgive us for allowing our flesh to come in, in, in between and, and, and our emotions to, to drive us to say certain things, to do certain things that, that are, are not a representative of Christ. Yes. As we are the ambassadors that the text that Dr. Bernard just read, we did a, a professional way of acting mm. as an ambassador. Mm. Hallelujah. As we represent you, Lord, teach us how to properly represent you in any and every area that we walk in. Teach us how to represent you as a brother, as a sister. Teach us how to represent you as a father, as a mother. Lord, as a daughter, as a son. Teach us how to represent you as an employee, as an boss. Every area that we walk in, Hallelujah. teach us Hallelujah, Lord. how to represent you. For Lord, the, the world is looking. And we want to be able to give them something good to look at. So Lord, I pray for the individuals observing and watching today that, that what they receive today is, does not go void, but will return to you a hundredfold. Yes, Lord. Yes. So Lord, we ask that you just help us become better because we know that this is a struggle. Being a Christian in this day and age is a struggle, but Lord, we know it is possible through you. So we ask that you take the way, take the lead as we follow. Lord, as Galatians says, let us keep in step with the spirit. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So you say, have your way, Lord. Anoint us to do what it is you have called us to do. And not the way we did it last year or the year before, but in 2021, Lord. Mm, hallelujah. Yeah. So Lord, I ask you pray for those individuals that need to, 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 to bounce back, that have had a hard time, a hardship, Lord. I pray that their bounce back is going to make them look better than they did before. Like the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the furnace looking better in which they went into it. So Lord, mm, we ask that you have your way submit and surrender who we are to you. In Jesus' precious, precious name. In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. Amen. Good prayer, man. And remember, greater is he yes. that is in you than he or all that's in the world. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> I give it to you. <laughs> so, as, as we, we leave, leave this place, place but never, but never God's, God's presence, presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure, subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.